folks welcome back to another episode of the next wall podcast i'm your host as always kyle maggio joined by my co-host sean Geddes, and today we got a special tkw compatriot with us uh danny b what's going on guys Here. Here. Up? so uh, crazy day huh crazy Whirlwind. day indeed just nonstop, man. You know what I'm saying? It was like you got the normal, like you woke up thinking like, all right, what are we going to find out today? That's literally what I woke up thinking. You pick up the phone and you start seeing one came's birthday, you know what I'm saying? And within an hour of those posts going around on every app, you're seeing Berman leading the the charge on, uh, you know, information that came was saying that he uh, was looking for a change of scenery as he worded it. He didn't really, uh, you know, word himself into a box of requesting a trade, but just kind of put some stuff out there. So you had reports swirling all morning there. And then, uh, you know, the Woj bomb, you know, that I'm sure that we'll get to in a little bit, dropped around like, what, three o'clock or so. And uh, I, I put out that tweet, like, I felt like a collective, what the, you know, on every platform, like, you just felt it. <laughs> you know what I mean? My phone pretty much blew up and uh i was left uh just wondering what happened because you see all these reports that we're going to get into and it's like what is going on you know um let me pass the buck because i got lots of things to talk about lots of things to touch on um so let's kind of start from the beginning i don't want to really jump ahead too far you know so i guess you guys covered a lot on the pie that you had the other day when you were talking about you know rj signing the extension so let's kind of pick up from after that you know what i'm saying like were you guys expecting anything to happen right now? Because I know in my mind, I was pretty much hanging back and waiting till about, you know, the last week in September or so to really start getting going, you know, and seeing uh, the steam, you know, pull away. We 100% thought that shit was happening. And we 100% thought that shit was happening soon in our favor. We were, if you listen back to the last pod, we were embarrassingly feeling that, that it was going to happen and like in the next week or two uh so so i mean correct me if i'm wrong sean but i i think it it was a, a little bit of a crushing blow uh to feel to feel you know it not go our way and to see it was for the Cavs. i was very surprised it was the Cavs. like good good you know what good dark horse I, i'll give it to live i i, I like is. the Cavs. i like that group they have Good dark horse team, good surprise team. It could have been a, a more annoying team, but a team that we didn't like to begin with. Good, good, good dark horse team. You know, we'll get we'll get to the package. But I mean, Sean, I mean, how how surprised were you? Not only that it wasn't us, but that it was like the Cavs, and that it was today. Um, I was shocked. And you know, the thing is, there weren't. I felt like there weren't many teams that were there with us at all. And then the report came out the Cavs were pulling out of it, and so I was like, okay, like cool. It's really just us. And so, yeah, like we were definitely embarrassingly sure like that he was coming here. I, that was one. That's my main thing. Like in that that initial moment of shock when I got the notification and just like, nah, like, whoa, just hacked. Like, no way. And then I was like, oh, this really happened. And then so there was like some egg on my face because I've been saying it. So like certainly um, 
So yeah, I, I was definitely shocked. I wasn't really upset, but I was shocked for sure. I did not see that coming. Not going to lie. Yeah. Very, very wild, man. Very it wild. definitely was. The first thing I did was check to see if it was a fake account, you know, then I realized I don't have notifications on for fake accounts. And it's like, like you said, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like shock because I think that uh, sometimes, you know, fans and I'm throwing myself, you know, in the mix here too, because I definitely did. I got definitely riled up in all the hype, you know what I mean? And definitely caught up. And it's a lot of times you want to kind of hold your tongue and you see all these, you know, things flying around. We've always say, you know what I'm saying? Wait till the final reports, wait till the final. But it's like, ah, man, there wasn't that many other teams out there. Like you just said, you know what I mean? You got the report with the Cavs dropping out, which clearly, um, you know, was somebody's blowing smoke out there. And it's like, you get it so kind of in, in your head, whether it's in the front or the back of your head, that this one is a possibility of, of very much happening, but two, that it, it's going to happen. You heard everybody from Begley down to, you know, people like, you know, screaming a, who I can't stand, but saying that this is a done deal, you know what I'm saying? Up and down the board. And uh, it didn't turn out that way. So that was the big shock for me. And I think that because it was going around for so long, people got, to thinking like all right this is going to be my team right like like Mitchell's on the team so they start thinking now from that point with him on the team and it's like too early to do so and I feel like it just that makes it that much more shocking like it, it makes it just that much more heavy you know what I mean and uh I kind of felt pissed at first and I'm just going to go into my reaction real quick because I was definitely one of those people and I think I was kind of pissed at first because it's like I back this front office. You give them the benefit of the doubt. When you bring in a new front office, you don't you don't have the next PTSD thing and that whole mind frame where it's like, all right, all these you know front offices suck. This front office is going to suck. You have to kind of wipe the wipe the you know wipe the surface clean and say, all right, I'm starting a new. Let's see what these guys do. So you have to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. So I did that. First year went great, obviously. Then we saw what happened last year, and it was like, all right, no problem. One and one. There was a lot of things that that didn't go right that I definitely did not agree with. That's for sure. But backing out and looking bird's eye view. All right, you're one and one. So I'll give you one more to see, you know what I'm saying? If you could make the odds in your favor. And uh, so that's where I was. And then all of a sudden you see this stuff start happening and Leon can't get it done. And it's like, you know, I give you the benefit of the doubt this long. I gave you the off season and not bad. We got Brunson, but you know, one, you got the whole nepotism, you know, narrative that's out there. I understand that. But two, we didn't move off Randall. You didn't move off Fournier. I understand we did, we got rid of Burks, but I mean, if we weren't going to get rid of anybody, what the hell were we doing? So I just expected a little bit more, you know, and then not, them not to land Mitchell. It's like, they got to do something at some point, something has to give, you know, and it's like, that's kind of where I'm at now. So my reaction initially was like shocked and kind of pissed, but I'm kind of more even keel now because it's like, listen, we're still set up where, you know, I think I was saying in our our group chat earlier where it's like, we don't know what tomorrow brings, you know, there's, there could be someone out there who's not happy. That's just keeping it quiet. And we don't know, you know, so you kind of have to hang your hat on that a little bit, but at the same token, not knowing is what eats people. So that's where I'm kind of left at right now, emotionally, you know? So I'm all right. Seesaw came back, you know? Uh, I think that, you know, like I was, I was shocked. Um, and then I was like, okay, so what, what is it? What, why didn't this happen? Like if this only didn't happen because, because the Cavaliers trade package is not super impressive. Like the Cavs weren't going to use Colin Sexton anyway. So they sent him over there and then Utah gave him four years, 72 million, which isn't a bad contract, but like, you know, like it's not like some great move or anything. Um, 
And then you got Lori Markinen. Ooh. Um, and then three three picks and two pick swaps. Um, and I just don't think that that was – so it's like – at first I was like, did we lose this because we weren't willing to go to a third unprotected pick? And so that would have upset me a little bit because I wasn't too worried about unprotected picks. And I was like, you can't miss out on a star player because of unprotected picks. But then when it comes down to, like, you know, hearing that they wanted RJ and another player and blah, blah, blah. I, I honestly – and this, I, I'm really – so my, my emotion now and my pretty much immediate reaction after – was just relief. This has been a really long summer, bro. This has been a really long summer with a lot of reports, conflicting reports, reports from here, reports from there. This guy using media pawns, this guy using media pawns, reading an art, seeing a headline and being like, okay, like which guy is leaking this? It was exhausting. And so, uh, and then, you know, like even with our own players, like, it's like, okay, how many players are we, like at the end of the day, we don't have any real information. So like when I'm thinking about the trade, I'm thinking about the leverage we have and how much we should have to include and what we should be able to keep and what I think we don't want to include. And it's like, you know, but we don't know who's going to be here. That feeling of not knowing who's going to be here all summer, like it's just annoying. Even having to put our own players in trade, like I don't know if anybody remembers, but like during the last season, as a trade that I was a person, I was like, I don't want to talk about trades because I don't want to like, you know, just think about shipping these guys off. So it's like hypothetically shipping guys off every day and figuring out who we're going to keep, which is really like annoying. But what 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 this offseason really did to me is I don't really believe anything anymore. I don't believe anything that is really said in the media. Um, and, you know, there's guys who are more reputable, but I've seen guys who are more reputable flip-flopping and, you know, clearly being used as puppets. And it's just like, okay, like there's, there's something, there's something at play here. And then, you know, so I'm glad that we're able to move past this. I'm glad that we can focus on now, you know, star, star Jay Barrett stepping in, stepping in his ear and being the number one. I'm glad, hopefully we don't start Evan Fournier and I'd be very happy about either Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel quickly. That's where my brain went. And so now it's like, okay, how can we get Evan Fournier off this team in the next two weeks? That's, that's my thinking. And, you know, with everything else going on and all the reports swirling and now everybody's discussing, oh, they were going to trade RJ, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I'm a firm believer and I say it all the time on like, you know, whether it's the don't watch the show I do or just whatever. Like, I believe in like creating and controlling your reality. And so like, I live in a reality now where RJ Barrett is inked to a four-year, $120 million deal and Donovan Mitchell is the Cleveland Cavalier. I'm not going to go back into all that other stuff about, oh, what was being offered up, but it's too much. I don't know anything. I know absolutely nothing. And so all I can operate on is what it really is right now moving forward. RJ looks very happy. He has a big smile on the video, signing his four-year $120 million contract. He's here. We're building a franchise around him. They're dropping, you know, the highlight reel of him. And, you know, people call it damage control. Call it what you want, man. And I think we just signed a 22-year-old to a four-year $120 million deal. And we're doubling down on him being our guy. That's cool with me. I'm, that, that's in there. That's what I'll go with. That, that's what's happening in my reality. And so, you know, all these conversations in the back and forth and reacting to every report. And now there's going to be a bunch of, oh, like, it was this deal that was turned down and blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm not, I can't, I can't get there. I can't live there. And I also realize. I'm with you on that. Like, and, and in part of not believing what's being said, especially with Woj, I got to realize and be, and it's funny because everybody's like, oh, blah, 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 like they were going to do this, they were going to trade. And it's just like, I'm sure we'll get into what the offers were and how little sense they make. But like when, I, when things don't make sense, I don't just run to believe them. But also the media was pissed. The media was pissed when we kept them out of the Jalen Brunson introduction. And I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. 
I think that's what a lot of this is, and I think it's very nasty. How do you feel, Kyle? I mean, for, first of all, I the RJ the RJ thing was damage control to me. I, I don't I don't even the care timing. that much. I don't even care that much. But 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 they did it the exact same time the trade is getting announced. It's you. We knew the news broke what two days ago, whatever three days ago. Like you could have just announced it any of the, the the two or three previous days. It was not. To do it at the same time, 100% damage control. I understand to a degree, but, like, wait a couple hours. Like, I mean, something. I mean, doing it at the same time, I was like, I was like, all right, man. But at the same time, again, it is what it is. You're going to do this stuff anyway. But doing that's, it at that's that, that's that friction, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Leon, like, you know, F it, put it out. You know what I'm saying? The, the, like, only, the only reason I know it is because it's, so, it's the way they always do their PR stuff, like releasing a statement after the draft. Like, they, like they've always had the weird statement release, like, stuff that they've done, too. So, like, it's the only reason I'm like, it's it's 100%, like, what, what they thought to do, for sure. It's, it's, their, it's their, like, MO. But aside from that, again, not really a big deal in the grand scheme anyway but um I, I was surprised i guess but you know i thought the the Cavs package was decent i didn't think it was something that we couldn't have beat um the conflicting reports are a little bit suspicious you know because on one hand we have uh Walsh telling us that back in july the knicks were going to trade you know mitchell robinson and you know it could have included uh rj barrett ob Toppin three unprotected firsts and then um they say utah turned that down Walsh says but then uh, i think i believe begley reported back in july that this was not offered by the knicks it was um utah asking the knicks for that package so it's that, that that's an opposite right there so it's like i'm glad that you brought that up because i was specifically keeping that in the pocket to bring up it's you hit it on the head, man. Like right there, you gotta call it out. Sums up, you know what I mean? Right there is telling you. You can't believe everything. So, you know, it's a little bit my my only frustrations in all of this, and Sean knows this because of my endless whining and complaining. Everybody on Twitter, I'm sure too. Everybody's very tired of it. I, I would love for the star trade to happen. I would love for it to happen because we always tout these picks. Since Leon took over, he inherited in an advantageous position. He had picks. I think what we said it was like seven and five uh seven and four years, eight and five years when he took over, right? Okay. We didn't really do much with them in terms of uh, using them in a, a, a bigger trade, right? But we made some selections, good picks, whatever. Okay, fine, right? We're, we're slowly burning through them there. We, we stock back up again. You know, we have, we're positioned to, to try to do it, right? Every every report, even today in Woj's first tweet, was that the Jazz really uh, valued draft capital. We had draft capital to use. Like, we... But then you're reading things like the Knicks didn't want to go past like three firsts. So it's like, look, I understand you got to draw the line somewhere. But at some point, like you can't put out press releases saying, you know, oh, you know, look at all these picks we have, you know, the flexibility we have. And then it's like, yet again, seems like you don't take advantage. So it's like, of course, it's not the worst position to be in that you just have the picks. And it's not the worst position to be in to have RJ Barrett extended and to get Jalen Brunson. So nobody's saying it's like doom and gloom. This is the worst thing. Like, I'm not, you know, on here to cry about it. But it's just like, God damn, like just one, one time, one time, just like pull, pull the trigger. Just one time. Because it's like, it's weird when they do. It's like $80 million for Fournier, no problem. And then it's like, then 
when we're trying to trade for, you know, Donovan Mitchell, we're getting like nitpicky about where we're going to draw the line for, for picks that we're touting that we stockpiled. It's like the whole point of stockpiling is we have too many so that we can trade a bunch of them so that, you know, we can get, get the big upgrade, get the sure thing. Like that's kind of the point. Cause again, like we already know minutes for like a lot of the young players, right? The other young players, we already have young players pay, paid and in the starting lineup, RJ bear, Mitchell Robinson. These are guys that were part of, other young cores, a current young core, right? Is that like none of the, the kids are playing just because all of them are playing? So it's like, you know, how many more of these guys are going to get minutes? You know, if Randall is moved, right? Obi gets minutes. If quickly looks like he's going to get more minutes this year, right? It's like, okay, but how many more? You know, Grimes hopefully is starting over 48. It's like, then you got more kids coming in every year. You're going to have more draft selections every year. You know, you can't just punt forever with even your draft picks. You can't just keep trading for future picks, you know, like at some point you just got to, you just got to do it. And it's like, these guys don't always become available. Typically. Yeah. Throughout the year, there's a guy or two that will pop up usually inevitably, but it's like, you know, like this was like a a good swing to take, you know, it was a real good, it was a good fit. I thought we needed another creator. We we have a tough time. We, we, you know, we're hoping RJ develops that further, right? We're hoping quickly, you know, starts to develop that, get a little bit more volume, get a little bit more minutes, right? But we really struggle with like creation on this team. Like guys don't Mm -hmm. do well. It's like, it's kind of very clunky for various reasons. RJ still growing into it. Randall had a career worst year. Fournier, just not that good, you know, various different reasons, but it's like getting somebody who just, just score the ball just effectively. And especially, you know, I know we got Brunson again, which is why it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's like, it just would have been nice to just, to just see it happen for once. And it's not like we would have been totally wiped out. Like we still would have had some other picks and then hopefully you make a move, right? You, maybe you get Randall, whatever, try to clear more salary. It's like you still would have some flexibility to try to sign somebody. Typically, you can sign better players when you have a star in your team, you know, and then a good young talent like RJ. So I I just, if it was really RJ or bust, the end of the day, for me, I wouldn't have done the trade. But, you know, it just, I'm surprised if there was no other packages we could have put together without RJ that would have been sufficient if they value draft capital so much. That's, That's like my only... My only thing, if it was really in July, RJ or bust in August, RJ or bust, like that was really, truly what it ends up being from the, from the jazz asking perspective, then. Okay. Like I, I would, I would understand why they would have been like, all right, fuck off. Like I, I would get it then. Right. I just want to make sure that that's what it was. If it, I just don't know that. I hope that there was, it, they keep mentioning there were so many different versions of the trade discussed. So to me, it sounds like there, there would have had to have been versions where it was like four picks, you know, like like Grimes, like maybe Obi. Like, I, I'm not trying to get too nuts, but it's like there had to have been other packages that didn't involve RJ that were a little bit higher in other areas that the Jazz could have t- taken a stab at. Like, it just feels like that had to have existed. But if they didn't want to trade with us at the end of the day, whether, you know, they didn't like those packages ultimately, maybe they didn't like the players. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But, um, yeah, that's that's my only, like, gut feeling you know maybe it's devil's advocate sort of whatever but like that that's kind of just what i i feel like i feel like they really they they could have gotten something else done but if it was rj or bust really and truly they're really honestly then i understand right. at the end of the day yeah i mean I like, like in all the reports coming out i mean and once again i don't know what to believe um but what i what i feel like i can believe is that 
the Jazz wanted a lot from us in particular. And I, I truly and 100% believe they traded him out of spite. I don't, I think they took less from Cleveland or just took a deal that was slightly less than ours, whatever it may be, just because Danny Ainge was getting bled out all summer and didn't like it. And, you know, the narrative around, oh, like he's got nowhere else to go, blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right, I'll show you. Like, watch this, like the Usher thing. But yeah, right. I, I think that, I think there were definitely ways, but, you know, if they wanted RJ, like the one report said their their count, the final counter offer was like RJ, Emmanuel, quickly, one other young player in three picks. And it's just like, I mean, I know me personally, I was saying the whole time, like they can't even have two of the young, they can't even have two out of IQO being Grimes. Like I was saying that all summer because it was like, there's no reason to give up two of them. Like they they don't have that kind of leverage. They can't have two. I was like, they can have three unprotected picks. Honestly, I was willing to go to four. Didn't really, I don't really care about the picks. I wasn't one of those. We got to save it for the next star trade guys because the next you you don't need the next star. Get the get the star the first time. So there's a lot of people who didn't even want to trade picks, and that's my thing. Because I know I didn't want to trade two of those three guys. I know for a fact that I want to trade RJ. So any package for RJ is off the table. If if uh, if I would have got a notification saying that Donovan Mitchell was a Nick and RJ Barrett was gone, I would have been livid. Yeah. So any package for RJ is off the table for me. And then you get to, I didn't want to trade two out of IQ, Obi, or Grimes. I would have been kind of upset if they would have traded two of them. I wouldn't have, like, jumped off a bridge or screamed or anything, but I wouldn't have been too happy about the trade. I wouldn't have felt like it was a win for us too much. Um, and then, okay, so with those two things, seeing with everything they were asking for, it's just, like, there was no real avenue or path to make this trade happen from the parameters that I myself set on it. So how could I personally be upset? And so there are other people who are like, oh, you can't give up the picks because we need the picks for the next star trade, blah, 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 blah. Like, how are you, you going to get Donovan and you're not going to be good because you're going to need to go get another star? And now those people are crying too. And I'm just like, how are you crying? You didn't want to give anything up. Now, do you, you know what the next narrative so like, is going to be? What are you complaining about? The next narrative is going to be, well, because we didn't do that, how else? They're going to keep wanting to tank to get back into, you know what I'm saying, lower position in the draft, to be able to draft the next big thing. And it's like, you can't keep going back there. Like, if you're trying to create a culture, you have to at least keep trying. You can't keep losing. You know what I'm saying? Like, we turned that corner already, and I can't – I just can't stand that narrative. Like, now, I understand we were at two, three years ago. Yeah, no problem. I'm with that. But it's like, we've kind of taken that next step as a complete package, a complete organization. We've taken the next step. You can't go backwards. So I, I hate that. But, but that's, that's what happens when, when this, when this plays out like this, because now you're leaving that hole open for that narrative to be driven. Well, we can't land a star with what we got. We got to keep going back to the bag. How else do we get a star? Well, we're going to have to draft one. So how do you draft a star? You're going to have to tank. So it's like, it's, it's that vicious cycle, man, that Nick's PTSD. You know what I'm saying? I hate to cut you off, but I just, I saw that hole and it's like, you know, that's coming next. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm putting it out there now. So you guys and people that are listening, you know, it's coming. So be ready for it. You know what I'm saying? Stick to your guns, your own narrative, and don't be so influenced by all these outside voices you hear. You know, that's, that's how that PTSD keeps going. Yeah. I, I think something that's really important. And I was saying in our TKW space earlier, like, uh, I, once again, operating in your reality. And in my reality, RJ Baird is here. Daniel Quickly is here. Donovan Mitchell is a Cav. I'm not even going back. I, I, after this podcast, I, I highly doubt that I will be discussing these packages and what was going on. Because there's no point. There's right. absolutely no point. None of us know anything. And I, I, I wish that everyone was more aware of that. You feel me? That, that was my favorite part. When I, when I was in philosophy class and I learned the Socratic paradox, and he was like, I know that I don't know. And I was like, yo, he was a genius. I don't know. 
but no one else knows that they don't know for some reason. Everybody else is an expert. Everybody else was in the negotiation room on the three-way call with Leon and Danny Ainge, and they're like, oh, no, he made this offer. He gave this. He was going to do this. You don't know anything. And I and I and what I've learned now is I know even less because I can't believe everything that's reported because they're reporting everything. And so all I can do is operate in, okay, this is our team. That's it. I don't, all those other discussions, bro, and people get mad at me for saying it sometimes, but people get on the internet and waste time, energy, and Twitter characters and space in my mentions personally. Please don't tweet me about this shit. And it's space over. in your mind, bro. Space in your mind. It's taking up rent, bro. You know? For for no reason. Like what you can discuss it till you're blue in the face. Nothing is gonna change. Yep. And you're never actually gonna be sure. And honestly, like it's and and that's the thing about you know, Woj can really just support anything right now. Did any age can feed Woj anything? Like, when ticket. I think about how that they, they can say anything right now. The thing, when the, the fact that they're mad about the uh, Jalen Brunson introduction thing, the fact that Woj was being petty this whole time and made a trade out of spite quite clearly. And so he can feed anything to him. What's Leon supposed to do? Get on the Knicks Twitter and be like, hey, man, no, we didn't offer that. That's not how that happened. No. Right. He's going to do what he's been doing and keep going and living in his reality. And we should do the same. That's another thing, man, is that throughout all these reports that get leaked, there's one name that you never see reported, right? And that's Grimes. I feel like I've never seen Grimes in reports. Now, what that's going to have people thinking is, uh, like, the front office values Grimes over RJ. You see RJ's names in all these trades. So, clearly, the front office isn't riding behind RJ. They're riding behind Q because they're not throwing his name out there. But, like you just said, Sean, we don't know anything. You know what I'm saying? So, what's being reported doesn't necessarily mean that's uh, unless it's being stated that this is an official Knicks offer. It could absolutely just be a report from that's what uh, Utah was asking from the Knicks at one given point, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that we don't know, you know, um, I think every single person, every Knicks fan would, their minds would be blown if they literally thought that the front office does not value RJ the same way that the rest of this fan base does, because I feel like this fan base has RJ kind of at the heart of it. You know, so if they were going to trade RJ, I feel like that would have ripped the heart out a little bit. Yeah, of course, time heals everything. But at the same time, I feel like you're uprooting a lot of the culture that you just spent the last two, three years trying to build. And what does that show? That you're not all in. You're not backing your guys. So what are you really doing? So uh, there's so many narratives that get created from these spins. And like you said, Woj could be reporting anything. We just saw... Back in July, like Woj just said, you know, um, you know, Robinson, RJ, and OB three un unprotected firsts, and that was denied. So how does that make sense with the today's package that was reportedly accepted by the Cavs? It doesn't. So obviously, there's lots of smoke and mirrors. As Sean just said, I think that's the biggest takeaway from all this is that nobody knows anything. So if if you're gonna base judgment on whether it's the front office, whether it's as a whole, or you're looking specifically at Leon, you might be basing that judgment off of fake reports and fake narratives until you know what's what, you don't know. So it's all just hearsay. So all we're doing is just speculating on what we're hearing and all our own opinions. That's all it is. At the end of the day, like you said, we got RJ, you know what I'm saying? We still have Grimes. We still have all these assets and it is what it is. Now we got to start the season. We got to figure out how we're going to move forward. The one thing that I could take from last season positively is that through all throughout all like the bumps and all the cracks in the road that we hit along the way, um, we kind of found 
our rhythm by the end of the season. We found a gameplay, a game style that, that fits our team, right? And it's playing with pace. It's moving the ball. It's playing that hard-nosed defense that we've been doing, you know, for most part for the last two years. But you put all of that together, and I feel like that's that's where we saw the most success. And as, you know, the back half of the season progressed from All-Star break, you started seeing that play a little bit more consistent. And if that could have happened from the beginning of the season – I think we would have seen a totally different outcome of how the rest of the season played out. So I'm kind of hoping that the team can kind of ride off of that success that they found in that, that style of play and kind of put that in motion this season. I feel like last season started um, kind of like, all right, we got these new faces. And um, I remember Tibbs saying like, oh, we're going to take a lot of threes. So they kind of were moving away from that uh, Randall-centric offense that they had the year prior, where it was just very Randall-dominant. He would draw you know, more guys, he would dish it off to the open guy and find someone, boom. Like, that's how that worked. And then last season, you threw in Fournier, you threw in Kemba, and you were trying to change the play style. So everybody got off to a little bit of a slow start. And I feel like by the time, like I said, we got to all-star break, things started clicking. We realized when we play the younger guys all together and we start playing with a faster pace, good things are happening. And, I mean, you see Randall in the offseason looks a lot skinnier than he did last year. I know it's that's just is what it is. But at the same token, he did come in two years ago looking kind of similar to this, and he played with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. So I'm hoping he's kind of motivated to do the same. Um, I'm not motivated to believe that Tibbs is going to change much at all um, just because I'm big on trends, and I feel like he hasn't shown us much willingness to change. So I would love Grimes to start. I think he's the better fit to start, but I think that Tibbs kind of likes Q's fit off the bench for whatever reason. He doesn't want to tinker with that starting lineup. He's been very stringent on those starting lineups and really not changing too much. So I just feel like it's going to be tough. Um, I really can't stand the optics anymore. It's like we got to this point now. You can't play with optics. You have to play for the, the best interest of this team and the organization, period. You know what I mean? And the optics of Fournier having to start because he makes this – give me a break – the, the betterment of the team is most likely somebody else starting in his place, have Fournier come off the bench. He's going to have to do it. He's, you know, a vet in this league, and he's not going to be starting on many other teams in the future anyway. It's we got to start doing things the right way. And I feel like the optics got in the way a lot last season. We need to get rid of that shit and just play ball. And if we can, I feel like we've all seen enough that if they do it consistently, they could they could be a good squad and they could get into the play-in. And hopefully from there, roll the dice and let's see what happens. You know what I mean? But that's how I see things moving forward in a positive light. You know what I mean? With my optimism thrown in there also. I know I kind of derailed a little bit, but uh, I don't know. I just started kind of thinking like, we have to kind of look to what we got now and move forward. You know what I'm saying? Like how long are we going to talk about the Mitchell trade and all those reports and this and that, all it's going to do is get people in the feelings and there's no point, you know, we still have a whole month. We still got six weeks. There's no point. So that's where I'm at with everything. I'll riot. If Fournier starts, I'll be petitioning <laughs> every day uh, until it changes. I, it, it cannot, he cannot keep getting away with this. He can't. <laughs> I just, I can't watch. And and I, you guys have known, well, Sean's known me for a while with my complaints about the game. And I'll, I'll let things go defensively. If you're, if you're really pulling, pulling your weight, like effort wise, offensively, like 
to me, like, you know, it's not 50-50. Offense usually, like, generally is, is most of the game, right? If you're good at offense, you probably, you're going to stay out there. You know, you have a bigger impact. It's very simple. It's uh, not 50-50. But we gave up so much. Just just some, some, of, some of those possessions were just, in one season, are just burned into my mind. And even about the optics thing, too. They did bench him in second halves and fourth quarter. So I don't get, like... Why you can't do it in the why, beginning? Why? Why are you just not afraid to like go further? Do you just don't want to go all all nuts in the first season? Like, I, I hope it's the plan in the second season. But he, he, he might be perfectly fine off the bench. And and you know, as Sean said it a thousand times on Twitter, on this pod, you know, seventy eight million, you know, off the bench is better than seventy eight million, you know, wasted in the starting lineup. And, and it's true, you got to put guys in a somewhat better position to succeed, even if you know. We, we can all agree. I think it was a mistake in the first place, but you could try to still maximize somebody and, and get them in the right spot and, you know, yeah. to, to some degree. But, you know, they got to be willing to do that. And, and again, uh, it's not like some of the young guys don't play. Like, you already got a couple of young guys playing. If somebody else can step up and earn the spot like a Grimes, like, you know, it, it, for Evan Fournier should never be blocking somebody who could potentially be better. Like, that, that's all. very much very much a placeholder you know what i mean very much mm. so if if and i hope you know grimes comes in and uh, continues to play well and at a high level you know he did get more minutes as the season went on last year let's not forget yeah, you know it was it was you know we all wanted to see a lot fast but i think he did end up going it was like from 10 ish minutes a night to 15 to 20 25 yeah so he started really playing leaning on him yeah you yeah. saw him really leaning on him you know and that that speaks volumes you know for for a rookie and uh, I think that obviously they they see a lot of potential in him, and he right off the bat as a rookie he gives you more than what Fournier gives you. You know what I mean? Uh, listen, Fournier shot an incredible percentage last season from deep, absolutely. But the rest of his game lacked, and that's just facts, you know. And a guy like Grimes give us gives us more as a, as a whole. And I feel like you start with somebody like that right off the bat, right from the get go. It's helps set the tone for the game instead of having somebody in there that you target on defense because you know he's going to be a turnstile in a way, you know? So it's like, why not start that? And last season, the way that Fournier played, I feel like he pretty much proved to us that he's the perfect person to have come off the bench when we need the shooting, you know what I mean? So it's like, why not just let him fill that role? It's almost to me like a natural fit on this team, you know, right now, as I see it. And, uh, like you said, Kyle, for, for them to start Fournier next season after everything that we saw last season, it just shows that he's truly stuck in his ways. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said in the beginning of the show, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And I definitely did so with Tibbs. And uh, if I don't see things changing for the better, listen, if he starts Fournier and Fournier all of a sudden is playing freaking defense and you know what I'm saying and doing the right things and the little things, then I got no problem but I don't realistically see that happen. And if he stays with that and doesn't change it, I can't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore. And it just is what it is. So there leaves no more room, you know? And if you got a guy like me who's saying that he's got no more, you know, no more rope to, to hang from it, you know? Yeah. You Honestly, you, you know, I, I said that I was going to, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't said it on here yet. So I am resetting my tips position. Um, you know, after being in Vegas for all star, I mean, for summer league, and you know, looking looking there and seeing him right next to Leon and James Dolan, I was like, I'm wasting a lot of energy by being angry, and like, you know, this is not productive. 
Uh, they kept him here for a reason, clearly, whatever. Hopefully, they, you know, have done things to intervene. Hopefully, they finish shaking the roster out and remove Fournier so I didn't have to consider this. But um, hopefully, they finish shaking the roster out so he doesn't even have the ability to do certain things. And so it's interesting to see, like, and now that this, you know, card-holding game is over, uh, what they'll do over the next three weeks. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting new. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to carry last year into this year. Last year was horrible. It's one of the worst displays of coaching I've ever seen in my entire life on any level. Um, you know, six 20-point blown leads, uh, starting Alec Burks at point guard for, like, 60 games. Not so many things. Um, but coming into this year, I'm trying to give him a slate. And when he pisses me off again, then he'll just piss me off again. And that's not my fault. Um, with that being said, I'm, I don't view myself as a violent person. I don't think that violence is the answer, but I am going to opening night. And if Evan Fournier trots his ass out onto the court for the jump ball, for the tip off, I'm liable to lose it. I'm liable to lose it. I don't even think, I, I don't even consider it a possibility. Like, you know what I said about my reality? In my reality, Evan Fournier, like, we're getting kind of close to the end of the offseason, so maybe he'll still have to be on the roster, unfortunately. But there is literally no way. Like, I've gone through all my Doctor Strange permutations. There is no possible way that he could start Evan Fournier next to Jalen Brunson. It just doesn't make any sense, especially with how they've seen the prioritize Grimes and how Grimes looked in summer league and how Grimes looked last year and how IQ even looks. Truly and honestly, Evan Fournier is our fourth best option as a starting shooting guard. I think that the first two are quick and Grimes. I think it's probably Grimes first because he's a bigger body and he's more, uh, he's, you know, a really good defender and he kind of uh, compensates or compliments Jalen Brunson in that regard. And having Grimes and RJ being on the wings defending would be really good for us as a defense. Um, there's a lot of games where RJ was doing a great job on his man and the team had a secondary uh, perimeter guy who would just torch Evan Fournier. And, you know, like, you know, this R.J. Holden, Jason Tatum, less than 25% while uh, Jalen Brown scores 46. R.J. Holden, Zach Levine at 30% while DeMar DeRozan is going off. It's just, it's tough to deal with. So if you got two guys out there who can do that, that's great. I think second is IQ. And third is R.J. And while starting Cam the three, those are the three best options. Those options give us uh, shooting. They give us defense at both positions. Like, there's three better options than starting Evan Fournier. So if Evan Fournier still somehow starts, which he won't, I will definitely be right there with you, Kyle, rioting and throwing my fist up at, at tip-off. Because there's just there's just no way, bro. I can't even consider it. Like, it it angers me to even contemplate. Um, I really, I really, really, really want them to get rid of him, man. Regardless, you know, for, for everything that's happened this offseason, for as long as a drawn-out process has been, if Evan Fournier is not on this roster – at the start of training camp, this was an A plus all season for me. Like I just need him off the team. You know, I'm, I'm no longer on the, I, I feel like we're getting really close to the point. Julius is still going to be here most likely, but at the end of the day, even though I wanted Julius to be gone because I prefer for Obi to get those minutes and I'm not confident that he'll be able to get the minutes he deserves with Julius being here. At least Julius is good at basketball. Like Julius Randle's good at basketball. He's very capable. I feel like Jalen Brunson relieves a lot of pressure off of him. I feel like he's had an offseason to like get his mind right and figure out. Like I know, you know, I, I read his Players Tribune article that second year. He knew he was shit in his first year from his attitude to things like that. So it's just like he's he's self-aware enough to know that he was a piece of shit last year. 
and not even not even in terms of play, just in terms of attitude as a teammate, all that stuff. Julius Randle's a piece of shit last year. And I think that Julius Randle can be aware of that. And if he's still on his roster, I'm fully prepared to support him and get behind him. And I know that he's good at basketball. Evan Fournier is not good. He's not good. We have many people who are better. They, like, like, like Kyle said, you can't have the likes of Evan Fournier getting in the way of guys who deserve minutes. Evan Fournier shouldn't take a single second from Quentin Grimes. He shouldn't take a single second from Emmanuel quickly. And he should not be prioritized at all over Cam Reddish. There's just no way. There's no way those guys are all better. Those guys are all younger. Those guys can all defend. And that's going to be really important, especially because we didn't get the star offensive upside talent that can, you know, come in here and make our offensive juggernaut. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to have to lock up. So put guys on the floor who are going to defend and Evan Fournier is not, has never been, and will never be one of those guys. Yeah. So hopefully Fournier gets moved. Maybe Randall gets moved. It doesn't seem like either of those is likely, but uh, you did mention Cam, and we had a Cam rumor today that gets buried in in the Donovan Mitchell stuff later on. So Berman had reported basically that uh, Cam wanted to go someplace else already. I I don't know about outright request a trade, but, you know, requested a trade and uh, wanted to go someplace else so he could play a larger role. Uh, He didn't feel he was getting, I guess, that role here or that chance here. And then on Instagram, he replied to that, basically calling it bullshit, right? So, uh, again, on a, on a day of of who knows what to believe, uh, you have that that you want, at least. Um, personally, I know it's Berman, grain of salt, but I'm almost going to give it to him this time. I, I think so, just because Cam already re- requested a trade out of Atlanta for the exact same reason. I do think he's probably not thrilled about having a bench roll again. I do think he probably wants to start. And I do think if he's already catching a win, then that's probably not going to be the case. Or, you know, maybe they tried to include him in deals already. I don't, I don't know. Maybe whatever the case may be, he doesn't feel valued or like he's going to get the chance here. I would buy that this time. I would. I don't think it's unreasonable. You know, I think you got to earn that stuff too. I think you just got here. I thought there were some games he looked halfway decent, but overall, you know, I wasn't that impressed. But I would believe it, you know. But again, he called it nonsense, so could be. But yeah, that I that, like that I feel like that's the thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Like you see that out there, like and you're young and you're on there, like you got to kind of deny it until uh, you know something kind of materializes. But uh, I'm with you, man. It's just. It's funny. I feel like it's definitely believable. Uh, and you know what? What I was thinking is his buddy RJ is getting paid. You know, it's what, two, three days ago when, you know, it was announced that he was going to get the bag, you know, 120 mil. So it's like he sees, you know, Zion getting a, a UJS deal, RJ's getting a deal, and he's kind of left just, you know, sitting on the bench watching. So maybe, I don't mean, you know, like, like Sean said, we don't know. But all we could do is, you know, throw in reasons why it would make sense. And I think that's definitely another reason that maybe he does feel a certain way, you know, and is kind of still looking for a shot. I mean, me personally, this is one of those situations where I feel like I know. Because he said it. Like, I don't, I'm a, I'm a horse's mouth kind of guy. I'm not going to believe what Mark Berman said about Cam Reddish over what Cam Reddish said about Cam Reddish. Like, for Cam Reddish to come out and be like, and he didn't just say it once. He, like, replied to, like, three different things on Instagram. He was like, this is Cap. I don't know why the media is doing this. And it's crazy because 
First of all, happy birthday to Cam Reddish, bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> for real. That's the wild part to yeah, me. Yeah, like, what, a, what a rough day. <laughs> that's... Right? Like, come on. Like, you dropped this support on his birthday, bro. Like, this, this, you couldn't have done this yesterday or couldn't wait till tomorrow. You got to do this on his birthday. I just thought that was nasty. I thought that was nasty journalism. Especially it, was it, was, it, was, it was a little nasty to do it. We, we talk, that was so it, nasty, bro. We, we, talk, we talked about timing at the beginning of this when I, when I mentioned about the RJ tweets and press release. Timing, timing is everything, and, and it's never, yeah, it to me, that much of a coincidence. So, yes, very, very nasty to do it. Like, come birthday. on, on his birthday, bro, like, that was disgusting. So I definitely believe him, bro. Like, if he's lying about, you know, if he requested a trade. Like, you know, in Atlanta, and all, from all accounts, from everybody in Atlanta, to all the fans, to everything, even when he wanted out, he made it clear he wanted out, but he was a good soldier. He was, you know, he didn't have bad vibes at all. He showed up to work. He was a good teammate. All his teammates liked him. So he doesn't seem like a guy that's a problem. So I doubt he would, you know, request a trade to say he wants out and then get on the internet and be like, I never said that. What, what reason do I have to believe that? I have and reason you know to believe that he didn't request a trade because he himself, Cam Reddish, said he did not request a trade. And if you look and back then, to Atlanta, mm-hmm. he, he, it was dead quiet. Nobody heard a word. Remember when the second report came out? That was the first time we heard it, and it was the official report. You know, So at the same token here, why would it happen now the opposite way? Well, it's New York. So yeah. I'm with you, Sean. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, that I'm not rocking with that, bro. It's something like, that's believable, but that's why it's out there. And then one of those, you know, one of the other things, exactly, it's believable, so you put it out there. Because, yeah, it seems there's a bunch of reasons Cam Reddish could ask for a trade. But there's also the reasons we just said about how he was here, but then he got injured. And to be honest, how many teams in the league is Cam Reddish going to start on right now for him to even be requesting a trade? Like, let's keep, so it's just like, there's there's always more reasons to, like, I things got to make sense to me, bro. Like, things got to make sense, and it, it has to, like, I always weigh things. Like, it has to make more sense. So it's like, it has to make so much sense that me hearing Cam Reddish say, no, I didn't. And I can be like, nah, man, nah, you still did. Because Mark Berman said, first of all, because Mark Berman said you did, are words I will never say. Like, I think that in the first place is an issue. And so then the whole thing on the timeline became before the Donald Mitchell thing happened. was, oh, you know, Tibbs leaked this. Tibbs leaked this to Berman. Tibbs hates Cam, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, this is always Tibbs, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, bro, you don't know that. You don't know that. And now everybody's having this conversation and running with this narrative. And then we get into space and they're like, yeah, you know, Tibbs, Tibbs leaked this about Cam and Tibbs did this and Tibbs did that. And it's like, yo, you just said four things that never actually happened. Like, and now you're building this entire narrative and you're painting this entire picture based off of absolutely nothing, based off what everybody on the timeline said. And it's like, is it possible that like, okay, if you say, oh, hey, Mark Berman said this, Cam Reddish said it wasn't true. Who could Mark Berman have heard this from? He's close to Tibbs. Maybe he heard it from Tibbs. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But to run with it is if they're close. I don't even like, is that even a thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was seeing that all day on the timeline. Like, when is since when is that a thing? Because when everybody is, said it when was. When are Berman close? Crazy. That's how it works, Danny. Every, everybody said it was. Everybody said it was. So it's true. It's the truth. Everybody said Tom Thibodeau did that to Cam Reddish. So it's true. It was crazy. Right. Just watching people react to something Again. and not even saying, hey, if he did this. No, it's like, oh, Tibbs did this. Why did Tibbs do this? I can't believe Tibbs do this. I'm going to start a space and yell about Tibbs. Do- what? Shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> I just wish everybody would Talk shut the it, up bro. a little bit. It's getting out of hand, bro. It's really like it's, I'm, I'm so tired of it. I'm exhausted. Where is the basketball? You, you see why? Because people woke see- up and saw a fake report from Mark Bremen that then got refuted by Cam Reddish and talked about Tom Thibodeau for hours. As if it was factual, as if they were on the phone, as if they as if they were CC'd on the email. Stop it. Y'all don't know shit. 
And that's not a slight to anybody because I don't know shit. <laughs> None of us know shit. Yeah. I feel like you got to clean. First of all, I feel like you got to clean your timeline up. I feel like I, so, some of these people, I, I don't know. I feel Bro, you bad. Can't. Man. You can't. You, you, gotta, like, you, gotta, you can't mute enough people. You, I'm you see. You. you see why you, you mute why once, I, someone else pops up. You see why I I I, I lay low for the summer with with Nick stuff because it's like it gets stir crazy, man. I don't know. I mean, every fan base I'm sure has different versions Bang. of this, and we're we're never gonna be totally special. Let's be honest. But uh, for for us, it gets it gets bad. I don't know. We need a new a new batch of fans. We need something. It gets a little bit rough. Nah, you know what we need? We need we need the Knicks Ball podcast to be blasted out there so people could just hear like the real. Like if enough people understand the real, the fake narratives die because you have the real being passed around. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what needs to get echoed out there. You know what I'm saying? Not the bullshit. Of course, that's what sells though. And that's like you said, man. Like it makes sense. That's why you put it out because it's believable. Like. I get it, you know? It's just shameful, yeah, nasty man. work, nasty work. Very nasty, so much, na- it's been, a, it's the summer of nasty work. There's been a lot of nasty work, man. And I yeah. just really can't wait until we get back to basketball and we're talking about pick and rolls and defensive rotations and minutes and, oh man, we really pulled that game out or, oh man, we blew that lead. Like, I just, I can't, I, I can't even wait for post-game pouting. That's how much <laughs> I hate the summer. I can't wait yeah. to talk about losses because at least we can talk about basketball, bro. I am, I'm exhausted, exhausted. It's gossip, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's soap opera, and uh, I'm not. That's not what I'm here for. I'm 100. Like you said, bro. I can't wait to get back to basketball. It's been a long off season, you know. With all with with the way that the seasons were the last couple of years, so truncated in such a short period of time, like things like kind of kept rolling. You know what I mean? And I feel like we kind of reset, and so there's like this long period of just nothingness. And, uh, you know, it's everybody's getting sunk in, you know, sucks. It really does. And it sucks that we were in a position that we were with Mitchell and everything during this period of time, because it just fed everything and just created this monster, you know, and uh, it's kind of time to wake up from the nightmare and, uh, you know, a little bit in a sense. And this is what we got face reality. You know, like you said, like, this is what we have. And that's all we could do is, you know, look from here and move on forward. Uh, yeah, it sucks. We didn't get to start again, but at least we still have all of the assets and tools necessary to strike when the time comes again. So whatever, we'll keep doing our thing and we'll keep trying to do it the best we can. I feel like at least now they're kind of at least showing a little face, you know, in terms of kind of correcting the wrongs that they've made throughout the way. I can't speak on everybody because we still haven't seen Tibbs, but um, I can live with it for now. You know what I mean? I can still get behind it. So yeah, I feel like I we. Think what I, you said is important. Oh, my bad. No, 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 you're good, man. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, I think we kind of came full circle in a way, right, from, like, the start of the pod to, like, where we are now in terms of just the emotion, uh, the frustration, the realization of what everything is and kind of just putting it in perspective, you know? Yeah, like, this is where we are, and I think what you said was important about, like, how, you know, it, it's, 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 it's almost impossible to quell the bullshit. There's too much of it. Uh, you can't mute everybody. You can't, like, it, it, it feeds. It keeps going. It's just a shit storm. It's just been a nonstop shit storm. But I think what is important is just, like, amplify our voices. Because, you know, it was really refreshing. And I said in space. But, like, you know, we had that space. You know, I know when the, when the release, when it happened, we got the notification. Everybody has their reactions. Everybody felt the way, you know. My friend accidentally clicked into another space thinking I'd be in there. And he was like, yo, they're in there just yelling. He was like, they're just angry and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, 
for us, you know, we, we were in our space, we were having level-headed conversations, and, you know, we were able to, and, you know, there were a good amount of people. We had 4K listeners. First of all, shout out to all of you guys who pull up to the space. Shout out to all of you guys who pull up to any of the spaces who listen, who, you know, speak, whatever, and contribute to them. But, you know, the fact that we were able to have a constructive conversation and, you know, those, like, whatever 4,000 people listened, they got a better understanding. They didn't just get yelling and anger like a lot of people probably expected to. And, you know, a lot of people's right. probably initial reaction was, oh, yelling, I'm angry, I'm angry. And now if they come into our space and we're yelling and angry, then it's just yelling and angry. And then the bullshit keeps going. But because that wasn't what was going on with us, we had an entire sort of community of people who were now not in those stupid conversations that are happening. And so, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I feel like it's just, it's important to do that. It's important to be able to, you know, just control the narrative and control like the emotions. And, you know, I know fanhood has a lot of emotion behind it, but we can't remove the logic. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, just sticking to it and being able to, excuse me, my goodness, I got to stop burping. Um, being able to like, you know, just really communicate and like discuss what's actually happening in the season and the team moving forward. And also, I feel like that's a, it's a bet. Like, I don't want to, you know, it's funny because almost all Nick fans now, Stephen A is probably one of the worst Nick fans in the world, at least on TV. I can't believe we mentioned and him all twice Nick fans can't stand Stephen hour. A. But 80% of Nick fans turn to Stephen A every single day. 80% of Nick fans are Stephen A. They, they, they operate with the Stephen A mentality of fanhood. And so, you know, like, I like that we're able to even represent nick fans as level-headed people for so for the people within the fan base and for the people who you know just click into a space because a lot of my friends that came in today aren't nick fans but people know he, uh, donovan mitchell was involved with the knicks they see us in there they see oh the nick blah, blah blah let's go see what they're talking about we do that for fans all the time oh, and when the nets were falling apart i was hopping in their space other people hopping into you know like lakers yeah, we, space we and things that. like that and you know fans make themselves into a clown show and so a lot of these people getting on spaces and yelling all day and blah, 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 and having horrible takes and not even know what they're talking about, they give Nick fans a bad name. And so, you know, I think that it's important. I think it's important not only for us, like within the fan base to be able, you know, like, and if you're listening, like take these and have only, only engage in conversations that like have a purpose and I'm not saying like every conversation has to be like, you know, you sit around and, you know, discuss like, you know, Confucius theory or whatever, but it's just like, don't sit around and talk about, oh, they were going to trade this, this, like the, there's a lot of conversations that just lead to nowhere except misery and, you know, further anger. And some people have built their brand or built their like, or just, they feel like it's a character trait to be miserable. And I understand that like we were mired in misery for a very long time. We were Nick fans. Like we are, you know, some merely adapted to the darkness. We were born into it. And, you know, but we don't have to stay that way, bro. And so, you know, have intelligent conversations, have meaningful conversations. I'm not saying you got to be rosy about everything. You could still say, hey, man, I don't believe in Tibbs. I don't think he's going to do certain things this season. That's fine. But at least we're talking about basketball. At least we're talking about the product that's going to be on the court. Because at the end of the day, that's what the, all of this is about. And, you know, like, yeah, just do that. And look, that that's how you start to eliminate some of the bullshit. Like, the more and more people that start to have more useful conversations, the bullshit kind of dissipates. Or at least it, I stop seeing it. That's all I'm asking for. I'm with you, man. I feel like kind of we just came up with a mission statement. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, but seriously, like, that, that's super important. I feel like that's something that 
um, I've kind of tried to associate myself with since I've, I've been a part of Nick's Twitter is is real conversation. You know what I'm saying? And and not the drama. You know what I mean? And, and I think that that's super important because there's so much drama out there. And because we're in such a big market that feeds off of that type of energy. And like you said, Sean, that's what becomes uh, the Knicks fans reputation. You know what I mean? So to change that narrative, it takes a lot. But if anybody can do it, this fan base definitely can, because we hold so much power. Our voices hold so much power. Like, you know, Jay Boogie says this all the time, Chuck D all the time. Like it's we, our voices are so loud. Like, you have Knicks executives, you have media executives all over on Twitter tuned into what the fans are saying, because they know like these are the, the hot buttons, you know what I'm saying? So the more that we can get across I don't want to say like the right way to handle things because I'm not trying to tell people how to fan, but like if we could do things collectively in a more, uh, more strategic manner, just a more basketball driven manner, you know, without the BS, without the calling names, just the, the straight debates, I think that we'll all be, be better off in terms of not just us, you know, on, on a personal level, but as a fan base, like, there's just, there'll, there'll be more connectivity. There'll be more positivity. There'll be, um, you know, better uh, outlooks of things. You know, maybe the media will slowly start to not be such, you know, assholes, um, you know, and things maybe slowly will change, but it's like, it's got to start within in a way. And I feel like the fan base doesn't realize how much power they hold and that if we could all collectively get on the same page, however the hell that happens, you could really, you know, make change effectively. And I think that that's huge, you know, it goes a long way. I've always been a big believer of that. And just to speak to that really quick, like, honestly, your voice holds power. Like Danny said, like, as a fan, I was my example, the Bulls game in late March or whenever it was, I watched Julius Randle do his Beyblade tornado baseline turnover for like the fourth time in the past three minutes. Oh, we had like six points in three minutes when he was in the game before that and got taken out. So Randle could come back in and Beyblade and I was pissed off. And I stood up and I yelled, we want Obi. And the entire garden started chanting it. And we got Obi back in the game. I and remember so, hearing that on the TV. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. I, I was fed up and I stood up. So it's just like, yeah, use your voice, but like use it wisely, please. And like, because when you use your voice, you speak to other people who use a similar voice and then you guys can have a collective voice. But if you have a collective voice of nonsense, drama and stupidity, and I shouldn't say stupidity, but I've said it a lot this summer. Somebody tweeted me today and he was like, oh, I guess those, um, I guess those unprotected picks weren't, I guess those protected picks didn't have that much value, huh? But but I'm stupid, LOL. And I quoted it and I was like, admitting it is the first step, bro. Like, I don't know, I don't know what you mean to say. <laughs> it's so true though. You know what I mean? It really is. Listen, like when you get, you know, the whole fan base screaming F Trey Young, you know what I mean? That becomes a story. And it's, yeah, it's fun. If you're a fan in the garden and you're a part of it, like, yeah, screaming, I get that aspect of it. But at the end of the day, the next day, the headlines and the storylines and like the fan base itself is going to be a joke for that whole day. So what did you really just participate in? Like the, the, the downs, you know what I mean? Like you just literally participated in the negative publicity for your team and you helped create it. Like whoever started those chants, like and I'm not saying those specifically, but like that type of behavior itself, like that's the thing. Like Sean said, he, he got up and he stood up and said, you know, like I want Obi. He didn't say 
F you Jules, you know what I'm saying? Like it's two different things. And I feel like that's such a big piece that gets forgotten, man. And maybe it's the younger generation, not, not giving a flying shit about any of it, but I feel like that's so important to take the narrative back. And I feel like I've been seeing more of it. I want to say in like, but it's so tough, man. Like everybody sees a corner of Nick's Twitter. You know what I'm saying? And Nick's Twitter is like really a big city. So unless you're flying around it in a helicopter, you're not really getting the total, you know, the total of, you know, the fan base. So it's tough, man. But the best you could do is just trying to keep it real and just keep pushing out, you know, good conversation. And I think that um, it's definitely what we just did in the last hour. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean to get so freaking heartfelt, you know, and, uh, and deep, you know, uh, on the pod here. But I feel like it's, it is important to kind of touch bases on these types of things also, you know? You got to keep it real with yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> on, that, on that note, I think that's a, a probably a good place for us to stop. Uh, you know, I think we're all cut up then. But yeah, I mean, you know, we, we got to, you know, do what we can. You know, here we've always liked to just talk about basketball. I mean, Sean knows it's something I've harped on to a, a disgusting level internally because uh, I just don't like nonsense. And I feel like we lose sight, you know. I'm an NBA fan first, man. I like basketball. I like NBA basketball. It's a beautiful sport. It's a beautiful game that they play. So I just want to talk about that most of the time. And then, you know, my frustrations usually lie like when we don't get good players because as a fan of this game, I want to see the best players play for my favorite team. I'm always going to want that. I feel like that should be a natural thing that that fans should yeah. want. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, that's about it. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, we like to just talk about basketball very simply, very plainly. It's the right way to go about it. You know, I feel like the only time, you know, you, you can get up and, you know, caught up on certain things is a uh, verified, you know, credit, you know, credible stuff to, to really go off of. Otherwise you just gotta talk about what's in front of you. You know, the games ahead, the, the games are actually playing, you know, which is why we can't wait for the end of this month with training camp and everything coming back, you know, media day coming back, uh, you know, so I know that they released the schedule the last week or so. So, Things are, are are coming very, very shortly, very, very soon. We're about a month out from uh, really picking up speed here. So, you know, can't come soon enough, man. You know, uh, we miss basketball. We miss Knicks basketball. So it's uh, almost that time, gentlemen. Uh, we are very, very close. Yo, before we go, I want to know, both of you guys, is Fournier starting? Hell no. <laughs> uh, well, you know, earlier I said that I didn't think he was going to start anymore. But, uh, you know, for, for guys who have been right about a lot of stuff, Sean, uh, you know, after after getting the Donovan Mitchell thing wrong, <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to say, like, it's so if, I, if I if I thought maybe he would finally get benched, I'm just going to well, assume now he's just going to start. Yeah, I just don't want to. <laughs> I, I now want to walk on eggshells and just go back to like, like, you know, like you said earlier, like, we just don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I feel bamboozled. So I think he's going to. I think he'll be there. You know, I think opening night, he'll be prepared to do whatever. It's unfortunate that we don't play the Celtics. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> I think he, I think he's going to start too. And I'll tell you what, that's going to just put, I feel like it's going to start us off on the wrong foot. You know what I'm saying? Like we see him start the game, the first game of the season. I don't know. I, I, I feel like he is. I don't want him to though. So Man, what a way to end it. I just I wanted to kind of like see what you guys realistically thought. Like if Tibbs will start him or if there's a possibility that maybe Tibbs is gonna start something different, but I just I don't see it. I feel like he's gonna start. 
I, no I idea. Just, it's not possible. It, it makes zero basketball sense. I refuse. It does. It does make zero basketball sense. But he does a lot of things that make zero basketball sense. So who knows, man? He's a he's a madman now. Nobody knows. <laughs> you can't you can't control what this guy does. So it's, it's unfortunate, but but we'll see. I see that you know. gif in my head of uh, of Thibodeau, like when somebody put that automated mouth like on him, and he's just like ah 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 ah, like just yeah. the 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 face. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. man! Oh man! But, All right, um, I'm I'm gonna hope not, man. Let's hope for a fresh start, a whole new Tibbs. Let's hope, man. That that would be a beautiful, beautiful thing, a much needed <laughs> thing uh, th- this season. But you know, some so, sometimes you can't change these guys; they're stuck in their ways. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, if he if he doesn't change, you know, it, some of this stuff, at least stylistically, uh, a couple big line of tweaks. Like I give them to. All star break. I I don't think he makes it to the end of the season. Uh, if he does, I feel like it's an optics thing that I know with all the head coach carousel here, uh, we normally have here that they probably wanted to get through his third season. So I, I would hope that there there's some real ironing out and, and some tweaks out of that. But we'll we'll see. It seems like not his mo is is to to change in a way that you want. It seems like that's usually not how the Tibbs story goes. So I'm gonna assume right. that that's not gonna be the case. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to have to yell and be angry about him this year. So I hope that he does at least just you know a couple of small things. Hopefully, the front office helps him out a little bit. You know, getting rid of Fournier. We can only pray. We'll get there. I feel like it's a process, and and to kind of, I feel like at least they kind of realized what they got last season in terms of you know, like I said, that gameplay and that that style of play with the young guys. And I feel like they're slowly gonna move towards that. But it, it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight, clearly. So hopefully they could get off Fournier in the next three weeks. If not, hopefully he's not starting, you know, game one. And we'll go from there, <clears throat> you know. Hopefully we can make some, like, tweaks, like you said. Uh, I think we kind of all have an idea as to where we kind of want to end up, you know, players without. So hopefully that comes to fruition. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Crazy day, guys. Uh, glad we could finally put a bow on it. Finally comes to an end, uh, you know, between the cam rumors. To, at the beginning of the morning, you know, again, ha- happy birthday, Cam. Hell of a birthday. But uh, the, the trade rumors uh, popping up thereafter, you know, Cam calling it fake news. Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the Cavs. Um, you know, Colin Sexton then goes to, you know, the Jazz. You know, very, very crazy day. You know, RJ gets formally, for, the report's coming out. RJ gets formally announced as the, as the trade happens. So, uh, you know, very, very fun up and down next day today. So very, very classic day. So uh, very glad, you know, we had the talk. We finally caught up on it and uh, we can move on. You know, now that the, the Donovan Mitchell thing is finally, finally somehow settled. Uh, you know, I think we thought it was at least going to happen for training camp. Uh, we thought it was going to happen for us. It did not. Uh, so uh, yet another one, we know we'll just wait. You know, add it to the list of stars that I wanted that I didn't get for this team. Uh, it's a long list. It's a disgusting list. Uh, which is that I'll, I'll wait, you know, ne- next free agency, the, the next star, you know, 2025, maybe I'll get one. You know, who, who knows? Who knows? You know, maybe 2030, you know, I'll just keep waiting. But so far, so good for what we do have. Uh, but yeah, I didn't get my big star trade. Uh, it'll. I know we can't see like the walls on the side of you, but do you actually have like a running list on the side where like after this pod ends, you're just going to like turn your chair and like... <laughs> Cross this one off the list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 upstairs, yes, upstairs. That, that's gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I, feel you, man. Um, I think just as a parting thing, I want to say, you know, 
don't don't jump off the ledge. Uh, even in terms of Star Trek, like when I look at you know, if we put out Brunson, Grimes, RJ, Ob, you know, Randall, Obi, whatever, Mitch. I mean, there's not even a lot of guys who like I would want replaced in that lineup. You know, like they're not gonna trade Jalen Brunson right now. He's our starting point guard. We just lock Mitch in. He's a center. I don't really need any other center. Like it's not like Jokic or Embiid is about to hit the market. Um, you know, we've got RJ. I definitely don't want him traded. I'm excited to see what Grimes, what, what he can do at the two. I would assume if we were to go for a star, it'd probably be at that two position next to RJ. But maybe yeah. Grimes turns into that guy this year. Like maybe I think Quentin Grimes can average like 15 points on like, you know, pretty good splits and play good defense. And if a guy does that in the second year, like he's a guy you could be hopeful about. And then, you know, at the four, we don't even have a, you know, like Randall's there and he's kind of, you know, he's an all-star. He was second team All-NBA. He's a good basketball player. And if you move on from him, we got Obi there. So we got a little bit of a large jam already. So we're not like star hungry, like the media paints us out to be like, we're, we're not desperate, you know, like we just got to keep nice working to get a star if one became available, but we have a really, we have a pretty solid team here. We've got a young team with a lot of potential and don't fall into that thing of like, you know, Stephen A's like, Oh, the Knicks don't have us. Their roster is still devoid of a star. I can't, I'm man, just man. really, really, really tired of RJ Barrett disrespect. And that's, stops this year this is the last year anybody's gonna say the Knicks don't have a star bet no more Stephen A bro it's all TK dub that's it all right guys but on that note thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Knicks World Podcast we will talk to you guys probably next week at some point you know hopefully a little bit uh, more consistently as we get closer to training camp here you know season actually picking back up uh, and us getting closer to basketball but uh, until the next time talk to you guys later take it easy Have a good one. Adios.